We are Irresistible, a community of practice in collective healing and social change. Because our commitment to justice and to our own lives is compelling, joyful, and irresistible. Together, we celebrate the many traditions of movement leaders, cultural workers, and spiritual teachers who remind us to embody the liberation we are pursuing and who show us that our movements for justice can and must be expansive, vibrant, and alive. Because we are so much more than resistance. We are irresistible. I'm your host, Kate Werning, and you are tuning into the first full-length episode of the newly named Irresistible Podcast. We have been called for the past two and a half years Healing Justice Podcast, so we're so excited to join you just after this transition moment. And I'm sitting here with advisory circle member and longtime friend of the podcast, Alana Lerman. Hi. Hey, Alana. <laughs> we said here is this well. I was like, we did it. We did it. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been working on this for a really long time together. So long. Um, some of you who are regular listeners might recognize Alana from episode 16 when we talked with If Not Now about building liberatory movement cultures and about uh, practices for leading song in groups. Um, would you say just a little bit about who you are and what your relation is to the to this project? Sure. Um, it's so nice sitting here with you in your room um, with some blueberries and tinctures <laughs> <laughs> getting in on this podcast. Um, so, yeah, my name is Alana. Uh, it was an honor that you asked me to be a part of the advisory circle. We met through the Momentum community, and kicked off with our love of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and love of bringing in healing and spiritual practice and groundedness and song and joy into our justice work. I am right now leading a Jewish liberatory singing retreat over the summers and work at Jewish Voice for Peace organizing rabbis in spiritual communities, and ride a moped around Brooklyn. That's true. Verified. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love, one of my favorite things about you is how much you bring singing into everything, and the work that you do with Let My People Sing, and the work that you've done that has really permeated a bunch of the movement groups that we both kind of touch through relationship and participation. Yeah, the spirit and singing element is something that I've really learned from you. Hmm. We've been on this huge journey together. You know, in this episode, we want to share with you all, like, what has this journey been to come to the name Irresistible? What does it mean to us? How did we get here? Do we believe that we're fully irresistible already <laughs> or, mm. or that we're on our way? Hmm. And also ways that people can get engaged with what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, for the past two and a half years, we've been called Healing Justice Podcast. We went over the past year through a renaming process, and it has been super participatory. A lot of you who are listening have shared your ideas and your visions with us and have been part of shaping who we are becoming. Mm-hmm. And so part of this conversation is kind of a love note back to you to, to reflect back the ways in which you've impacted us and shaped mm-hmm. us. So when we got together as an advisory circle group a little over a year ago mm-hmm. to start the renaming process, would you talk a little bit about what that was like and, mm-hmm. and how we began together? Mm-hmm. Well, that was you were like, this is our 
first mission. Mm-hmm. This was like, uh, it was actually like a very beautiful way to gather a new group of people to be like, you have a very clear task. It's to be supporting this podcast, thinking big together. And our first big thing is this name change. Mm-hmm. So being a group of new people coming together names and like the power of names and the power of naming was how we got to know each other, mm-hmm. which was something that I was thinking about, you know, and us coming to like, okay, when we talk about the name process, I was like, right, this is really how you invited me and us to get in closer to you is to be in this intimate process of naming our very first time all together. We like we drew tarot cards twice. You brought this feminist, kind of witchy woman who used like a thousand post-it notes and did tons of activities and just got in with each other mm. with her support to really get in on what is naming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess I'm wondering, Kate, what it was like for you to like gather us around naming. Well, okay, so at first I thought that it was backwards, like It felt weird to have a thing and then gather a group of people to name it. Mm. And I think throughout this process, I've realized that the other way, the way it's usually done is kind of the backwards thing, because it was, it's so amazing to have had the opportunity for this community to grow and for us to really feel into it for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then to say, what should this be called? Mm -hmm. Actually, we have someone who's a really deep part of the podcast team who just named their child. And I guess you have like five weeks to actually put a name on a birth certificate, which Mm. I never knew. You can document the birth and leave it blank for five weeks. Mm. And they waited until about the five weeks to name the kid, and it freaked everybody out. Uh (laughs) They're like, how can you not name the kid yet? But they're like, we want to get to know the kid Mm -hmm. first. And so I feel like in a weird way, we kind of got to do this process that conventionally I thought was going to be backwards, but Mm -hmm. actually ended up feeling a lot more appropriate because a lot of what we grew into, the understanding we grew into through this process of Mm -hmm. what we should be called and who we are and what's important Mm -hmm. to us about it is stuff that I could have never predicted before this work started. Right. Um, So that felt exciting. Yeah. And then there were points in the process where people said things that were totally brilliant and I was thrilled. And there were also points in the process where people said things where I was like, absolutely not uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like I don't think I could work at something called that so uh-huh. um, so you know it's yeah. the thing of working in a group all the range of that but also you did this thing that was like we were getting together as the AC but then yeah the advisory circle mm-hmm. yeah and then you would you would go off we would come up with a bunch of ideas you'd go off and bring in all these different folks who are already connected and in love with the podcast to be like what do you all think and I would love to hear about some of those moments too, just because we already, it was already out there in the world. There were already people committed to it that they Mm -hmm. were able to bring their brilliance. So I I would love to hear some of those, some of those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the first things we did that maybe many of you listening participated in is we did this community survey and we did two of them. We did one for past guests and people who have kind of advised the creation of the show. Mm -hmm. And we also did one for listeners. And we just asked people what images come to mind, what words come to mind when you think about what this gathering space is for you. One of my favorite answers was from our friend Corrine, who talked about the concept of these seeds called serotonous seeds or like serotony, mm-hmm. which are seeds that are actually designed to only come into germination after a forest fire. So mm-hmm. heat from a fire 
melts a coating off of the seed that then allows it to begin the germination process. And we had so much fun experimenting with that image because Corrine was saying, you know, healing is not soothing, trickling waters and spa music. Mm -hmm. Healing can be rough and rigorous and intense Mm -hmm. and full of heat. (laughs) Our world is not gently evolving and Mm -hmm. opening. There is a lot of shit clashing. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a lot of time playing with that image. You know, that kind of group of grouping of names we came up with was fire seed, Mm -hmm. right? And how do we bring more earth and action and guts Mm -hmm. to this idea that we're projecting about what healing is like? Mm -hmm. So that was one of my favorite threads. Another favorite moment was having over uh, Luaya, who y'all have heard in the episode with the Peace Poets, Mm -hmm. because at some point we were like, we got to get some poets in on this situation because (laughs) we were getting really like, we were like, healing is strategic. Yeah. How about that? The healing yeah. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> One of the names that came up is we had a, we had, there was a, 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 an agenda within the advisory circle to figure out how we could make an episode with Tracy Chapman. And so there was an idea floated at one point of like, let's call it talking about our revolution. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I do. We, yeah. We had so many ideas that were really great in the moment. And I still, you know, for those who really want to have Tracy Chapman on, I still am I mean, who committed wouldn't? to that. We, that. I, we could still try it, you know? Um, but Luaya came over to my house and we were just grouping all of these different word groupings that every time we talked to somebody different, we were like shuffling them around, mm-hmm. sharing them back to the advisory circle, sharing different things. And we were just putting stuff up on the wall. We were practicing singing, seeing what of these things could we really feel. And I feel mm-hmm. like... The main criteria that I left that conversation with is a clarity that whenever we found the right name, it would tap into this feeling like we were, one of the, one of the words we came out of that session with was underground river. Like mm. that we're tapping down into the earth, through the soil, through layers until we hit running water. Mm-hmm. And that for me, a lot of my activist life has felt like I'm just trying to drum up and extract energy out of my own body, out of my own system to Mm -hmm. clobber injustice. Mm -hmm. And that energy feels really limited. Mm -hmm. Like it's the amount to which I have to recharge my body as a distinct entity that's working alone is really high maintenance, right? And I thought about this quote from um, Trisha Hersey from the Nat Ministry that w- when she was on the show, I-, I was talking to her from that framework of how can we rest when people are building private prisons while we sleep? Like mm-hmm. literally, how do you answer that? And she was just like, I do not agree with your premise at mm-hmm. all. <laughs> She's like, what you're saying is a myth. Mm-hmm. And it assumes that there are not spiritual forces that are working on our behalf. It assumes that the work of our liberation ancestors weren't seeds that were planted and are being tended and sown by our participation in their lineage. Mm -hmm. Like, it assumes a start and stop that's limited to our own lives. And she's like, that's just not how this works, right? Liberation is not about, like, uh, number of hours versus number of hours or amount of money versus amount of money. This is a much bigger conspiring toward life that we're joining that is way, way bigger than the actions of human beings. And we left that session with Lou just being like, we still don't know what the name is, but when we hear it, it's going to feel like a tapping into 
that current of liberation energy mm-hmm. that preceded us and that yes. will continue to work after us and that we just have like the total joy of surrendering to participating in and contributing to mm-hmm. and co-conspiring with. Mm-hmm. And so for me at one point that became the metric. Even as I'm talking, I can feel my kind of nervous, how am I going to tell the story body, settle down and get wider. Mm. Um Yeah, and I feel like, oh, now I'm tapped into energy that keeps coming, Mm. right? Not energy that runs out. Yeah. It makes me really want to start getting into how do we get to irresistible? But I feel like there's a few other things that happened along the way. I just want to hold up this moment at the beginning with the advisory circle when we were all introducing ourselves still. And we did a lot of talking about our own names. And then Maura asking us about a time that we named something or someone Mm -hmm. and like the conversation that that brought up about like how names can root back and also be opening a destiny for something to move forward. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump all the way to one of our last advisory circle meetings when we were getting really close to irresistible. Irresistible had come up as an option Mm -hmm. and we were like, getting closer and closer to it. And then Kieran, also in advisory circle, was like, Kate, I remember one of the very, very first times we were all talking about this together. You just said, we just need the name to feel so irresistible. That's what we need. (laughs) (laughs) It was this moment of, oh, it's been kind of, it's been carrying us through this process and was a place where we ended up landing. Mm -hmm. And we all were like, oh yeah, okay, great. Yeah, there was a sense of, we know when we find it, it's going to have been hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And like, what is the language we're already using? And one of the things that was really fun too, is that after that day, I came uh, home and organizers out there can probably feel me. Like I just have like so many hoardings of butcher papers Mm. everywhere, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) or like those big post-it papers from the walls, because following the process of decisions being made is so interesting and being able to pull out these big rolls you had given me this big roll of brown colored paper that we were using and just rolling out all over the place we were taping it to walls we had the post-it papers we had all these little post-its flying around we had google docs we had all the things but i reached like way into the back of my closet in our shared office here at the house and pulled out a roll of butcher papers that was actually from the first couple months of 2018, which is just a couple months into this project, when you and Shalini from the advisory circle and Sumitra, who folks know from Mm -hmm. uh, the episode on somatic centering, had come over to do an initial kind of advising, informal kind Mm -hmm. of advising council thing. And on the notes from that day, right at the top, it was the the first goal of of what this project was trying to do. What had the word irresistible in it. Oh. And so, like, just pulling uh-huh. that out, and I'm like, ah, like, here it is, right? And then as we, you know, for folks who've heard the trailer, and we'll play it again at the end of this, you can hear it again, because I love listening to the words of our guests about this. Phil Agnew talking about Tony Cade Bambara's quote about the role of a cultural worker that comes from a marginalized people is to make revolution irresistible, right? Mm-hmm. And how they see their mission at Smoke Signal Studio being mm-hmm. to gather artists that make the revolution irresistible. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the story has been really fun. And it it also took a lot of time. Part of what I had to deal with throughout this process is just the continuing lesson of my life, which is understanding how long things take. Uh When we started out, I thought, 
actually it was Adela Nieves Martinez from Healing by Choice in Detroit who said, I had said, okay, we're going to rename ourselves in a couple months. I'll let you know what it is. And Adela was like, why don't you give yourself till the end of the year? And I was like, huh. Smart. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So then that was the timeline I was working on Mm -hmm. and coming out of campaign world with huge goals and, you know, ambition to make massive change. I was like, okay, this is a small podcast project. We're just trying to figure out what to call it and move on. Mm -hmm. A year feels incredibly realistic to me to not be rushed, all the things. And at the end of last year, we came to this moment where we were about to launch and we weren't ready. Mm -hmm. And we mostly weren't ready, not just because work wasn't done, but because we were really having a lot of internal struggle. Mm -hmm. There was internal conflicts happening. We were able to approve things and and approve work to move forward, but Mm -hmm. we didn't feel together. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we didn't feel irresistible either, I think was the other big thing. We were like, how can we move such a big thing forward and like step into this new name? We wanted to have ritual. We wanted to have it feel like Mm. a huge coming out moment or coming into the next thing moment. And Mm -hmm. we weren't, it, we were going to have to fake it. And we are like, wait, that's like not what this whole thing's about. We, can't, about. we can't recreate something that we're trying to fight. Yeah. Yeah. So that was hard for me. I definitely had a moment at the end of last year of just feeling, feeling disappointed and heartbroken and also feeling embarrassed, you know, looking at so many of my friends who are incredible organizers who in the time that we've just been trying to rename this podcast have gotten climate change into the mainstream of the democratic primary debates uh-huh. that are happening or like have uh-huh. won incredible divestments or have pulled off incredible strikes for immigrant rights or whatever like these things involving millions of people and like i was not able to deliver what feels like a pretty small goal in comparison mm-hmm. on a pretty generous timeline and people kept asking oh isn't that you know what's going on with this name thing i'm sure how much we've talked about it is probably annoying. I mean, it's just like, wow. But I think part of what you, you were really talking about, about Mora inviting us to think about what is the, what is the power of naming Mm -hmm. is that a lot of what I've learned through this process, it's not about the name of the show. It's about, you know, what, how do you get clear as a group about what you want to grow into yeah, I think about Adrienne Marie Brown offering the spell casting practice here on the show, one mm-hmm. of our first practices. Like, what is the spell that you're casting every time that you talk about your work? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, how this renaming process has also been a process of communication, of accountability, mm-hmm. of talking about appropriation and race and power dynamics and all of the things that we are in a deep commitment to confronting in social justice movements and to, to unearthing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, sometimes something that big is just on its own timeline. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And leadership can be kind of embarrassing. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I watched people in that process also be like, oh, wait, you can pause. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait, you can stop. Or, oh, you can rename something. Mm-hmm. I think even modeling that things don't always work out perfectly is medicine, too. And I saw that happen in this process, even though, yeah, it is 
it's hard to not reach a goal. It's hard to not feel like we're doing enough in a time where we need to be doing so much. Before we walked in here, you were like, you know, Alana, I was thinking maybe we should just change it to becoming irresistible. Mm-hmm. And you went through a whole process around that, that I just feel like, yeah, we're all, we're all trying to do that. We're all trying to become irresistible. We're all, we're all trying to meet our goals. We're all trying to do the work that we feel is the work that we're meant to be doing with Mm. others in this world at this time. Mm. And we can't choose how it goes. We don't know yet why this is the timeline, but we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. That becoming piece feels really important to me. And we did, it's a shout out to Allison Thompson, who is running all our digital and social media and is doing a beautiful job. Uh, She and I had a big conversation about maybe changing the whole name to becoming irresistible. Mm -hmm. And, um, A big part of that is just really giving ourselves permission that like irresistible is a spell. It's an intention. It's a direction that we're moving together. It's eyes on the prize. Mm -hmm. It's not a claim about where we are now. And it's definitely not a way that we're checking people at the door. You know, oh, you can be here if you already feel irresistible in your life, if Mm -hmm. your movement is already you know, superseding all of the resistance and obstacles in your way, if whatever, like, (laughs) I don't think any of us feel like that very often, but it's a spell I'm very interested in casting. Even in my own life, you know, in somatics, which is kind of my anchor practice for my own healing, we work with this thing called commitments, where you claim a thing that you're a commitment to and you practice embodying it. It's aspirational, but you claim it, right? Mm -hmm. And so right now the commitment I'm working with is I am a commitment to living an irresistible life. Mm. And there are moments, even six months ago, I think I would have heard that commitment and been like, it's not political enough. Mm. Like, where's the teeth? You know? Uh Um, Like it's, it sounds like something that could be just personal and, and, not rooted. And Mm. actually now for me, I'm like, wow, my life is the material that I have to work with. And so how am I showing up in movement space? How am I caring for the people at my sides? How am I responding to the needs of the planet? All of those Mm -hmm. things. What more compelling way would there be to live than that? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not living my life in an overflowingly abundant way, then how am I expecting that I'm going to be attracting other people to participate in these movements that are going to require so, so, so many of us to make real change? So even though we went with the formal name, just being irresistible, uh-huh. the implication is that this is a space where we're becoming irresistible together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we get into like, what why? does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Thank you for tuning in this long. Let's talk about what it means and why it's called irresistible. Why did we do this? (laughs) Do you want me to start? Sure. Okay. (laughs) So for me, there's a couple of different historical threads that feel really, really important to pull from. And the one that really kind of spurred this name for me is pretty recent. It comes from Michelle Alexander, the new Jim Crow. This is what many of us know her from. And she did this speaking and writing after Trump's inauguration in early 2017. And again, in this op-ed around the 2018 midterms in the New York Times. And I'll share in the show notes a link to this op-ed so people can read it because it's just real good. Mm. She was talking about how we are not the resistant. In this moment where 
the whole big mainstream politically engaged progressive banner was resist or the resistance, you know, the women's march had just happened. Like somehow this feels like a long time ago already. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And she was talking about how we are not the resistance, how if you think about the qualities of what resistance is, it's contracted, it's tight, it's trying to stop change. It's fighting the inevitable Mm -hmm. in some ways. Resistance sounds kind of futile. It's digging in your heels. If you think about it interpersonally of how you've experienced it yourself. And she was saying, we are not the ones who are behaving that way. Our movements are about taking down borders and unlocking cages and reuniting people with their families and being in right relationship to the planet and to our water supply and to our air quality Mm -hmm. and honoring language and culture and racial justice and expanding gender and institutions of partnership. And all of those things are shapes of expansion. Mm -hmm. We are life overflowing. We are plants that are growing over the concrete and the chain Mm -hmm. link fences and propagating, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. And those who are trying to stop that from happening are the resistance, right? right? Like, that's what resistance looks like. Let's go back. Let's stop. Let's restrict, right? Right. And so I want to just read a little bit of a couple of her quotes because this was such a huge reframe for me in that time when I think all of us were kind of freaking out yeah, um, to try to figure out how to move forward in the world. And so she talks about resistance is a reactive state of mind. While it can be necessary for survival and to prevent catastrophic harm, it can also tempt us to set our sights too low and to restrict our field of vision to the next election cycle, leading us to forget our ultimate purpose and place in history. Every leap forward for American democracy, from slavery's abolition to women's suffrage to minimum wage laws to the Civil Rights Act to gay marriage, has been traceable to the revolutionary river, Hmm. not the resistance. In fact, the whole of American history can be described as a struggle between those who truly embrace the revolutionary idea of freedom, equality, and justice, and all of those who resisted. As the saying goes, what you resist persists. Another world is possible, but we can't achieve it through resistance alone. So that's Michelle Alexander. And that framing felt to me both so material and practical and strategic Mm -hmm. and also very spiritual Mm -hmm. and she is a leader who incorporates those different levels in the way that she leads and I definitely am not here to pick a fight with people using resistance framing by any means I have no horse in that fight like I is that what you say a horse I don't know I don't whatever it is what if that's what you're like and now (laughs) (laughs) this is our new battle our new battle Yeah. yeah So this is not a versus situation. You know, in our opening, we're we're not negating the necessity of resistance and defense in our movements at times. I mean, a lot of times we have to be on defense and protect people. And Mm -hmm. the the point of this reframe is not to negate that reality, but Mm -hmm. it is to expand us beyond it and to include a vision Mm -hmm. that includes beyond it. So that's why we say we are more than resistance. Uh We are irresistible. Well, it's reminding me of when the advisory circle, we were like, all right, let's start telling our stories about irres- what is irresistible. Like, how is this work irresistible? And I remember 
a, a lot of us had a moment of being like, oh, the stories where this originates are of pain and constriction. You're talking about being like worn down or burnt out or exhausted by the oppositions, the resistance to what is life, what is mm -hmm. f free. And so we were like, oh, that's hard. Do we want to be telling those stories? But what it ended up doing is opening up some space to be like, okay, well, where were the places that we started to source? Moving from that place of constriction or burn burnout into a place of wanting to keep doing this work, wanting to be reconnecting, wanting to feel powerful and big, even mm. though we've been worked down so hard. And what, I mean, what's been sweet about that is that all of us had stories that stemmed from so many different places and that started to help shape the beauty of the word irresistible, that it could hold mm. so many lineages and histories and people's ways of being irresistible. And there's not one way or there's not one culture or tradition or people that have figured it out. It's actually been all over the world, all over time, and will stretch out into the future of how mm. we've been figuring out how to do this. So mm. for me, growing up, Hearing about Emma Goldman, who's this anarchist who has that quote of, if I can't dance, I won't be part of your revolution. And um, feeling like, yeah, she's cool because of that, <laughs> all of that. Um, and then as we started putting together this curriculum, Kate, you threw in, that's not her quote. And I was like, what? It's not her quote. It's, it was derived from a story of hers where, actually, I'm going to read this quote, where... She was like, at the dances, I was the most untiring and gayest. One evening, a cousin of Sasha, young boy, took me aside, and with a grave face, as if he were about to announce the death of a dear comrade, he whispered to me that it did not behoove an agitator to dance. Mm -hmm. So just this scene of this guy being like, you can't, you can't do that. It's not a good look. Mm. And later on in this quote, she was like, I did not believe that a cause which stood for a beautiful ideal for anarchism, for release and freedom from convention and prejudice, should demand the denial of life and joy. I insisted that our cause could not expect me to become a nun, and the movement would not be turned into a cloister. I want freedom, the right to self-expression, everybody's right to beautiful, radiant things. I love her spirit where she's just like, you're wrong. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, an agitator should be like this, a real hardcore like, I'm not doing that. should be like this. And she's like, no. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so probably the most famous quote that uses the word irresistible directly is, of course, from Tony Cade Bambara, with this incredible quote, as a cultural worker who belongs to an oppressed people, my job is to make revolution irresistible. And so part of this process, a lot of discussion that we had with community members and also in the advisory circle is what do we learn about Toni Cade Bambara's legacy and her commitment as a Black feminist, as an incredible writer, as an activist? How do we be accountable to her legacy? Mm -hmm. And so as part of this process, I have one of the books right here, did a lot of reading in, in some of Toni Cade Bambara's work. And there's this book that I love called Savoring the Salt, The Legacy of Tony Cade Bambara. It's edited by Linda Janet Holmes and Cheryl A. Wall. And it has a bunch of stories from people who knew Tony. And in one of the stories, which I later saw her daughter talking about as well in a different interview, they talk about folks asking her 
about whether writing is the most important thing that we can do for the revolution. Like people would ask, you know, what should what should we be doing? Are we doing things in the best way, mm-hmm. right? And her response was, the best way to do it is to do it. And oh, I just I love, love that. <laughs> Like, and there are such hilarious stories in here, too, of her driving other people's Cadillacs and like, huh. all these different things about her personality. But I love that mandate. Mm. I think a lot of times in social change world, we can do all of these gymnastics about figuring out what's the best thing we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not hating on strategy, by the way. Um, strategy conversations are good and Those we should have them. <laughs> We should definitely decide what's the best thing we could be doing in a given moment. But I also love the spirit of once you feel called to do a thing or once you decide to do a thing, the best way to do it is to do Do it. it. Just do it. (laughs) So I really loved that. And I'm grateful to uh, Tony Cade Bumbara for her use of the word irresistible and for casting that spell Mm -hmm. down through generations of movement. It's just reminding me of um, the Adrian Marie Brown quote of, we have to make justice the most pleasurable experience humans can have. Mm. She's like, yeah, if you're sitting in meetings for hours and hours and hours, it's not fun. You're not laughing. You're not eating good food. You're just going over the same stuff. Yeah, that's not fun. But there's so many ways to make justice seeking and making so fun and pleasurable mm-hmm. and connective and mm-hmm. um, have so appreciated Adrian's trailblazing and and guiding and leading yeah in that cultural leader Mm -hmm. and calling us to that right now Mm -hmm. thank you adrian thank you adrian there is another quote i want to read too that really resonates for me from ann braden a white anti-racist from the south in finding the other america and catalyst project helped me track down this quote ann braden talks about in every age, no matter how cruel the oppression carried on by those in power, there have been those who struggled for a different world. I believe this is the genius of humankind, the thing that makes us half divine, the fact that some human beings can envision a world that has never existed. Mm-hmm. Perhaps no one living today will see a major change, but it will come. And living in that world that is working to make it happen lets us know that our lives are worthwhile. So that's Anne Braden. And that feels related to me. I have a pile of books here on this table of a bunch of my movement elders. One of them is Oscar Romero from El Salvador. And he speaks similarly to that. Mm -hmm. The sense of committing your life to the process, being a great joy, Mm -hmm. um, even if you'll never see the fruits of your labor. And he was was martyred. He was killed while he was leading mass. So he didn't ever get to see it directly, but is still a symbol of hope and inspiration and a rallying cry for liberation work and and faith and spirituality in El Salvador and all over the world. And so, yeah, I feel really inspired by the joy and surrender of the privilege of getting to be part of the process of that new world being born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when I really am like, okay, but what actually is the base for me of where I source being irresistible in this work, my spiritual practice of keeping Shabbat. Keeping Shabbat is every Friday night at sundown to Saturday, an hour after sundown, there's this 25-hour period that you live in the world as it should be. The whole week, you're living as if it's just the world as it is. 
And then leading up to Shabbat, if you really do it, you can clean your house, get all your food ready, have all your plans set, and then you just get to revel inside of what it would feel like if everything was just in right place. You're eating your favorite foods, you're singing with your favorite people, you're having great sex, you're getting to study, you're getting to take naps, and that's the sacred time to replenish and be like, oh, this is what it would taste like if we won, like mm. ultimately, ultimately won. And having that time set aside every week as a practice, you got to keep tasting it in order to know what you're working for for the rest mm. of the week. Um, has really, like, over the years become a serious practice for me and a serious space of replenishment and resilience and reminding of how important it is to be in joy and song and good company and taking a break. Like, mm. really, really trying not to go to meetings or even protests on Shabbat. Sometimes I break that rule, but I really try not to. And um, living in that world is as you wish it to be. Hmm. Well, one of the most fun things about this process has been getting to hear from people who are the leaders and elders and stories and lineages and experiences from your own life that make you know that choosing a life of commitment to healing and to justice work is irresistible. It's an option you can't resist, you uh -huh. know? Yeah. And really co-defining together what is this vision of becoming irresistible as movements for social justice rooted in our own lives, rooted in our immediate communities, rooted in, the, in broader movement. So we want to invite you all to add your definitions. And I'm so excited for this opening event that we're going to do. We're doing a virtual gathering to build an altar to share our stories about what makes this work irresistible for us or who taught us that it could be irresistible mm. and to share those stories and objects that represent that in community. And so we're hosting a virtual altar, altar build, <laughs> altar build. <laughs> and I'm totally excited. I've never been part of a big virtual ceremony before. I feel really excited that one of our past guests and a dear friend of the show and someone I learned a lot from, B. Anderson, who was on episode talking about liberating your voice, is going to be our master of ceremony for holding space as we build this altar together. And so we're doing that on the evening of March 29th. And the details to be able to save your spot in the circle online are at tinyurl.com slash our altar. And people spell altar different ways. So just like they spell irresistible different ways. <laughs> so our altar is O-U-R-A-L-T-A-R. Um, you can also find that link in the show notes if you want to sign up to join us. Of course, it's free, but I should just say that. And we also, at the urging of some artists in our community, are collecting physical objects. So if, if you have something or want to create something to add to a real physical altar to the irresistibility of movement work, mm. we invite you to do that and to see the show notes for details about how you can get in touch and send it in. And we're going to be aggregating a, a physical irresistible altar that will make pop-up appearances in movement spaces and healing spaces that will travel with us when we go to conferences or gatherings. Um, and we would love to include your physical object in the altar if you want to send something in. I want to take like a second to just talk about why altar building 
At the very, very essence, altar building is clearing a space and creating a space to hold intention. And it can be really simple. It could be just a table that's blank. And it could be a table with a piece of fabric that's meaningful to you and something you found outside at a particular moment or a photograph of someone you care about or something that you want to charge up with an intention and then carry around with you. It really is about holding a space to be able to hold that space also in your own psyche and mind as you're going around your day you come home you're like oh yeah that's the intention i'm carrying right now or that's what i'm trying to manifest in my life and again this is another thing that's just across the world across time across peoples the act of creating space and intention and beauty and care is is in all of us so when you said that this is something that we're doing for the podcast and inviting in the virtual community, I was really excited about that. I also have never been a part of a virtual altar build, but I feel like this is a great community to try it out and mm-hmm. see what we make together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other beautiful things happening with the unveiling of the name Irresistible, and I just want to shout out some of the artists and musicians that have been part of creating this vision. First of all, if you look at our website, irresistible.org, it relaunched this week with a brand new look and new colors and images. And you'll see if you follow us on social media, you'll see our colors and our look changing. And that's not just a branding thing. That is part of telling our story with Um, visuals and art and conveying who we're becoming. And I want to just really thank my partner, Josiah, who has been a graphic design volunteer and artist for us for the past three years for working on this new branding that also came out of a lot of conversation. And the artwork, you know, our previous artwork for Healing Justice was blue and it had waves and it was like a water theme. And that water theme originally came out of this Naira Wahid poem that I talk about way, 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 way back in the original episode, mm-hmm. which to me remains the foundational definition of healing and justice to me. It's this poem called Options and it goes, you do not have to be a fire for every mountain blocking you. You can be a water and soft river your way to freedom, too. The title of the poem is Options. And for me, when I think about what is the base definition of healing, it's having options in our own bodies and our own minds. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I think of the base definition of justice, it's that we've created the structural conditions for people to have options Mm. and choices in our lives. And... Um, yeah, that poem is really powerful to me. And, you know, when we originally chose the water image for healing justice, it was about that soft rivering. It was about the strength of water to shape, to move through a mountain, to shape rock, to be powerful, not just the spa trickle Mm -hmm. of water. (laughs) But when we started talking about irresistible, we were like, wow, all of that still feels really true, but we want a little bit more of the earth, a little more of the fire, a little bit of what Kareen was talking about of like healing is not always sweet and and soothing, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And so as Josiah was working on, well, what are the images that remind us of that? We started pulling up all these images of slot canyons. Hmm. And for people who don't know what a slot canyon is, one, you can look at the website at irresistible.org. We have a picture of one on the homepage. But slot canyons are rock that has been shaped by water. And you can see they almost look like as if rock was carved in the shape of waves. They often cast colors like oranges and purples and pinks and incredible sunset-like colors um, in the way that the shadows and the sunlight dance between the crevices. And we felt really excited about, oh, that feels like who we're becoming is Mm. the interplay between the water that's shaping and the rock that's being shaped and kind of the the earthiness and the co-shaping of that feels like what we're creating in this name. So check out some of those visuals both on the website and at our new social media handles at Irresistible Movements on Instagram and at Hey Irresistible on Twitter. I just want to say, Kate, I I did not know that. Oh. <laughs> and I and I just hearing you talk about it was like, oh, what a gorgeous transition. Another part of the transition of this name process. The whole Healing Justice podcast has really built a beautiful foundation and we needed to change the name, but we're not just leaving that whole thing behind. We have all the episodes on the archive, you know, Mm -hmm. but also that water that was a part of the beginning is part of what shaped what is here now. And I really see the intention you all put behind that. So beautiful. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, the other person I want to shout out to is Ana Cecilia, who is sharing her track with us, uh, Cuerpo Sudando, which means body sweating. And we asked Ana Cecilia, so that's the new music you hear at the beginning of the show so and good. also at the end. And the thing we were looking for in the new music was also like, we want a little bit more of that earth and that heat. We want like more of a heartbeat and a drumbeat. A little more strength. Sweat. Yeah. <laughs> body sweat. We were like, the what criteria we're looking for is body sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and then we found Cuerpo Sudando. Um, but uh, we asked Ana Cecilia about how she wrote that track. And she says, the instrumentals came before the lyrics, which is always true for me. It's about the memory of someone dancing, what our bodies felt like together, and not quite knowing what to do with the memory. Hmm. And I love that. Like, talk about a little bit of earthiness and a little embodiment, right? Like, it yeah. just, yeah, it has some mm, to it. And also not knowing what to do. Yeah. <laughs> we relate to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So as we start to close out here together, a couple announcements for y'all. So one of the things we're doing is we are designing some of the sexiest, sparkliest, most captivating, irresistible stickers that you can possibly imagine. And we want to give them to you. Some really good adjectives Um, for stickers. Um, We want to give them to you. And so we have this community online. Many of you are already part of it through a platform called Patreon. It's a way to join as a member and a sustainer and to also participate in things like our book club, online discussions. We sometimes hold virtual circles for practitioners. And you can join all of that at patreon.com slash irresistible. And if you sign up as a sustainer before the end of the month, before the end of March, we will send you a postcard and one of our new stickers in the mail to say thank you. So you can find us at patreon.com slash irresistible. You can still find our whole vast library of conversations and practices for collective healing and social change on our website, irresistible.org. And that includes, like Alana said, our full catalog of everything we've recorded so far. It's going to be a little bit of a 
whiplash maybe to hear all the old episodes that will forever and permanently say welcome to healing justice podcast but we kind of love that the whole journey is all right here Uh (laughs) and visible and totally unsanitized and it's all part of who we're becoming and so as you listen to those old episodes you'll hear that old familiar intro and it's all part of the same catalog you can find everything at irresistible.org slash podcast and we have so many practices there led by like the the voices that you hear in this trailer that we're going to play at the end of this episode the guests that really are people who are shaping our movements to be irresistible in a very literal strategic way like shaping movements that will win Mm -hmm. and in a very emotional interpersonal and spiritual way like living lives that are captivating and that are fueled by desire and growth and um and love you just mouthed the word love to me. That's how I feel about those people. <laughs> yeah, really sweet. Really sweet. So incredible library there. We also have a lot coming up this year. I'm so proud of the direction that we're going with this new series concept. So rather than mostly doing one-off episodes, we've been partnering with organizations to curate series. We did one last fall that's amazing called Generation Transformation. It's all about youth and intergenerational organizing. Thanks to Next Gen Fund for partnering with us on that one. And this one that's coming up in April is so juicy. We are working with the Wildfire Project, who is an amazing group of facilitators who support movement organizations to move through conflict and shape their internal culture intentionally to curate a series called Navigating Conflict. It's going to be nine whole ass episodes about conflict in our groups and whether you're in a movement space where you're literally figuring out how your group can make decisions together or whether you are just in a workplace or in your own family and you're just like yep Mm -hmm. conflict's a thing that i experience Uh this series is going to be really useful so make sure that you subscribe in whatever platform you're listening or sign up for the email list at irresistible.org so that you don't miss out when that series launches The last thing we have going on is that we have our book club, which is always humming away in the background. And next week, you're going to hear an episode from Kazu, who is talking about his new book on nonviolence that's called Healing Resistance, A Radically Different Response to Harm. And it's an incredible book. It's published by Parallax Press, which is Thich Nhat Hanh's publishing house. And they are such wonderful people. They are giving all of our listeners a 15% off code to use at Parallax Press's website. It's just the word podcast um, to get 15% off when you order that book. And our book club members get 30% off. You get a secret code um, that we send you when you join book club, which is also via the Patreon. Um, we're going to hear Kazu interviewed by Carlos Saavedra, who's one of my friends and organizing mentors next week. And we hope you'll join us in study and learning through book club. Again, our new social media handles on Instagram are at Irresistible Movements and at Hey Irresistible on Twitter. And Irresistible Podcast, new this year, is supported by the Calliopeia Foundation, who we love. Listen to this mission. This is so good. Their mission is dedicated to reconnecting ecology, culture, and spirituality. And Mm. I have to tell you, they didn't ask me to say this part, which is that in working with Calliopeia, they are folks who hold a fellowship around spiritual ecology for young leaders, people in their 20s. And I can feel the commitment 
to culture shift and to spirituality just in the way they relate. Foundations do not really have a reputation for being healing institutions to work with. No. And Calliopeia is so excited to support the work that we're doing here, mm. the voices that we're lifting up, and it has been all about this renaming journey and the twists and turns and timeline changes and all of the real things that happen when you're trying to do work in a good way. Mm. Um, they're just with us, y'all. So big love to Calliopeia. Thank you for your support Thank interpersonally you. and financially to make this project possible. You can learn more about them at calliopeia.org. Okay. Any final words before you close out, Alana? <laughs> no. I was just laughing about how when the bird was chirping before, and you're like, you have to be quiet so we can <laughs> record this. And you're just like, I was like, oh, there's the bird again. That's nice. So, no, I'm feeling so, I'm feeling so grateful that you had a vision the name needed to change, and you stuck with it, even though it wasn't the easiest journey that you've been on and that we've all been on. And, um... I'm just looking so forward to what is going to come from this. Mm. Yeah, that reminds me to share so much gratitude to the whole advisory circle that's participated in this process over the last year. You, Alana Lerman, Maura Bailey, Kieran Kanakanat, um, Shalini Somayaji, and Shauna Wakefield. Thank you so much for your rigorous work around this name change process. Your hearts and your visions and your shaping are totally present in what this project is becoming. Thank you to all of the guests and friends of the project that have been so generous in co-conspiring and ideating together, especially Iraq Arroyo Montano, Kelly Jermaine Strickland, um, Luaya from the Peace Poets, um, Jamie and Stefan from the Flowbots. Green. Kareen Luck and Jen Bailey and so many who filled out so beautifully the survey that we sent out asking for input. The worker team that did incredible shaping of our final name decision on our retreat last August, Jale Akavan and Whitney Spencer. Thank you so much for that work. Thank you to Josiah Werning and Anna Cecilia and Zach Meyer at The Coal Room for your artistic shaping of what this actually looks and sounds like. Yeah. Wow. What a crew. What a great crew. Pretty good crew. <laughs> so on our way out, we're going to play the trailer for Irresistible Again so that you can hear all the beautiful voices of our guests from previous episodes. Every voice you hear here is an excerpt of something someone has already said on this show. We thank all of them. You can find all of their names in the show notes and listen to the heartbeat of Cuerpo Sudando as we enter into the trailer, that new theme music. Thanks, y'all. Hear you soon. We are Irresistible. A community of practice in collective healing and social change. Because our commitment to justice and to our own lives is compelling, joyful, and irresistible. Together, we celebrate the many traditions of movement leaders, cultural workers, and spiritual teachers who remind us to embody the liberation we are pursuing and who show us that our movements for justice can and must be expansive, vibrant, and fully alive. Because we are so much more than resistance. We are irresistible. Somebody called out, I believe that we will win. And the sax player jumped in, and there were some drummers there, and it became like a dance part. That was such a beautiful expression of 
uh, values to share that message, right? That this is about justice and love, that solidarity is a form of love. There is a spiritual dimension and a spiritual reality to movement work. There is work that is being done behind the scenes on our benefit that we don't even see right now because we can't see it because we are caught up in this system. We're caught up in the grind. We're like jumping on the hustle. And one of the things that Audre Lorde asserts is that those of us who are able to awaken the erotic in ourselves are able to reclaim our agency and we refuse to settle for just suffering and struggle as our lives, practicing with each other, making liberation actually a pleasurable experience. Check out our vast library of conversations and practices for collective healing and social change on our website, including our full catalog from our previous name, Healing Justice Podcast. While you're there, you can join our email list to stay in the know, access transcripts and accessibility information, check out our book club and our virtual community, and find out more about getting involved. It's all at irresistible.org. We're also on Instagram at Irresistible Movements and Twitter at Hey Irresistible. Tony K. Bambara says the duty of a writer is to make revolution irresistible. We say the duty of an artist is to make revolution irresistible. We need people who are unabashedly creating art that tells a different story about how we should be in relationship with each other, to the land, and to ourselves. Healing is strategic, and we have to make sure that it's incorporated. Otherwise, we are doomed to keep reiterating a lot of the same structures that our people are trying to get away from, and our movements become unsafe. Like, it's a security threat that our folks are not getting healed. What I saw around me in the movement work that I've done is this commitment to suffering, commitment to overwork, a commitment to martyring ourselves in the name of saving the world, and a way that we're losing touch more and more with what it is to even be alive and what makes us want to be here. Are we really working from love and freedom? And then is that showing up in how we're treating each other? Or are we thinking that we can sacrifice each other and sacrifice our well-being for, okay, well, we'll deal with all that when we get to the promised land. And that's at the root of where our movements are falling short. It's continuous work. There's times where like, you're like, oh, I did it. Nah, I know you did it. You know what I mean? Like, you may, may have unlocked another level, but there's another level. There's more and more and more. It's perpetual work of trying to figure out how am I going to be a good person in the world and a good person that can love myself authentically all the way and not with shame either but actual self-introspection and self-reflection and shifting behaviors right so whatever it is that you're doing can you slow down and listen and listen for whatever wants to communicate with you listen to yourself listen to your body listen to your dreams listen to your ancestors have a practice of listening to celebrate our new name, join us at patreon.com slash irresistible and sign up as a sustainer to get an irresistible sticker and postcard in the mail. Also, please join us for a virtual community altar building night on March 29th. Details to save your spot in the circle are at tinyurl.com slash our altar. And so being in the work of really exploring together what it looks like to excavate, heal, clear, more story, more truth, more expression, it's become very clear like, oh, okay, this is medicine that's required right now.